We're so glad you decided to hang out with us on the Better Together podcast today. I'm Michael. I'm Tony. And today we are so excited for our guest, Andre Fansile, uh, all the way from South Africa, now hailing from Atlanta. Um, Pastor, we're so glad to have you on our podcast today. Great honor to be with you, Michael and Tony. And uh, what a great journey we are on. Amen. Amen. Let's just tell you a little bit about uh, Brother Andre. Andre Van Zyl is a na- native of South Africa. He has been in active ministry since July of 1980. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, Andre actively ministers across the United States as the Lord leads him. As a father of the faith to many, he has traveled to many parts of the world. Andre leads and is involved with several leadership networks in the United States and abroad. Andre strongly believes in an alliance of kingdom leaders to bring in the and time harvest. A major emphasis of this ministry is church planning and the training of pastors in Africa and beyond. This includes a Bible school where approximately 700 leaders attend weekly for further training and equipping. God spoke to Andre in 2009 that his church needed to return to the upper room. Out of that encounter was birthed an international prayer movement called Global Prayer Alliance. The GNN ministry also embraces a daily rescue center called New Beginnings, taking care of approximately 1,000 people. Many different aspects of ministry are launched from this center, including a ministry to orphan children. Unless it touches the heart of God, it is not a priority. His heart is people and our focus must be people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for people. And people need the Lord and the Lord loves people. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor, how are you doing today? I'm doing very, very well. I'm locked in, uh, but uh, there's no virus on my prey. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You're locked in, but you're still super busy and active. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, we are on conference, conference calls all the time. Amen. Wonderful. And you can't uh, you can't be too discouraged because you have your lovely wife uh, locked in with you. Uh, shout out to Miss Naomi. We love and miss you. Yep. I will do that. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, listen, we have three questions that we ask all of our guests uh, just to get to let them get to know you. And uh, we know that leaders are readers. And so we'd like to ask you, what book are you currently reading right now? Well, I'm busy with a book uh, called The New Apostolic Epoch. It's a book written by uh, Douglas Small, or mm. Doug Small. Uh, Doug Small is uh, a general when it comes to prayer. Yes, he is. And uh, a phenomenal book. Um, has a lot to do with the with the church as it is and the shaking that's coming and the Great Awakening. Yeah, so that's that's where um, that's that's my reading. Amen. We will, uh, we're writing that one down, so yep. we'll uh, make sure we grab that. Um, question for you um, from my wife, because this is important to us. <laughs> <laughs> what is your go-to comfort food? Well, um, if comfort food is just snacking, I'm not really sure, but uh, I love Mediterranean food. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, I'm big, big, big on Mediterranean. Do you like hummus? Oh, yes. Hummus and uh, leg of lamb, <laughs> lamb chops, and uh, that's my thing. You oh, now like, I'm hungry. You like good food. I like food, but you like good food. Oh, yeah, absolutely good food. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let, let the listeners know, uh, if you could name one thing, if you, if you went out into the wilderness and there was one thing that you could not live without, you had to take it with you, what would it be? What is one thing you cannot live without? Well, uh, in the morning, I normally go for a cup of coffee. When I was younger, <laughs> I did more of them, but uh, I'm probably pretty ordinary. 
Yeah. But yeah, uh, a, a cup of coffee, and then with that cup of coffee, I want to. Uh, I normally use what we call in South Africa in Afrikaans, uh, biscuit. It's like a little rusk, mm. um, uh, and uh, that is just so traditional in South Africa. So that's my little thing. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us for a few minutes. There's so much that we want to ask you always when we're together with you, and uh, there's no way that we can cover this in a 30-minute co- podcast. So we're just going to jump in um, and with uh, number one question. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey as it relates to walking by faith and not by sight? Well, I was, I was uh, the Lord told me when I was 17 years old, um, I started in ministry when I was 27, and um, immediately I received great um, promises from the Lord regarding the end time and the USA. And uh, so that was a long journey. When the Lord gave me the promise, I thought it's going to happen the next day. Uh, but then I discovered there's a faith walk involved. Yeah. And then the Lord spoke to me about your life will be like Joseph. And uh, that was a long journey, and that was also the first book that I wrote, uh, The Journey of Joseph. But while I, I stepped into ministry in 1980, but in January 87, I literally resigned my church and I stepped out in faith. And that's when my true and honest faith walk began. And um, I've learned a lot of things about faith, and uh, faith has no ceiling. But faith has no guarantee. Well, at least unless you can see in the spirit. Mm. Uh, when you have a salary check, you have a guarantee. Yeah. When you walk by faith, you have no guarantee, but you have no limitations. Wow. So that journey started mm. in 1987. Wow. Could you make that statement again? I think um, uh, some other people need that emphasized. When you have no pay, when you have when a you paycheck, walk, you have a guarantee. Yeah. You see, when uh, I live by check, uh, by a salary check. Um, I was an accountant before I was in the ministry, so numbers count. Numbers is very crucial to me. Um, and it's difficult for the Lord to say to an accountant, you will walk by faith. Yeah. Um, because or, or you will live by faith, not walk by faith, live by faith. Uh, so that was difficult for me, but the Lord took me into a business. I learned a lot about numbers. And uh, when I stepped out in faith, I discovered that although I have no guarantee, I also have no limit. Wow. Wow. Um, because when you have a salary check, you have a ceiling on top of you. This is what you're going to get, nothing more, and maybe a 5% increase. But when you walk by faith, you can walk uh, on level on a certain level today, and tomorrow God can have you far beyond where a salary check can take you. That is so uh, good. It's amazing. You have no guarantee, but you also have no limitations. I think some people, no some people, they, they give up before they realize that there's no limitations. The devil tries to get them to surrender under such pressure of overhead and, well, and the bills fear and of no guarantee, and the fear of no guarantee, yeah. but God is really trying yeah. to get us to see that there really is no limits with his resources. Yeah. Um, I think you, one must just be careful that, uh, some people, uh, operate in a faith that sounds more like foolishness. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a difference between foolishness and faith. Um, uh, yeah, you, you will develop your faith muscles when you walk by faith, but I will not, I will not change my life for the last 20 years. Well, actually since 1987, uh, the Lord has done more for me, uh, than what any salary check could have done, could have given me. 
but that that was the nature of my ministry, and it still is the nature even today, even in this lockdown season, yeah. where we will probably be off the road for 12 weeks. Wow. Uh, but this is when when faith really kicks in, and uh, the Lord has already made a way for the first two months, so we are just so grateful. He's so faithful. Can you dig in just for a little moment so people can understand? You talked about there's a difference between faith and foolishness. Could you just dig into that for a minute? Yeah, you know, um, sometimes we grab a scripture for faith value, mm. and we just quote it uh, for faith value, uh, but but the scripture did not penetrate into your spirit. It's like you read the Logos, but the Logos must become Rhema. And when the Logos become Rhema, that spirit, that, that, that scripture, that living style, that, that style of living by faith, it penetrates into your spirit. And all of a sudden, it changes your language. It changes how you speak. Um, I can listen to somebody talk about faith, and I will know uh, it is just a surface talk. It's just... Uh, uh, it's just, it sounds like it's just it, it never penetrates into the spirit of that person. Yeah. But then I hear another person talk about faith, and I can immediately say, "Man, this person really, uh, this thing has really penetrated into them. It, it's rooted in their whole DNA." Uh, uh, that reminds me of people like Kenneth Hagen and others, and yeah. uh, it's sometimes difficult to explain it. But I had to discover this myself. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's this incredible power in true, honest, authentic, God, uh, godly faith. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, there's a time that a salary check is absolutely godly. I don't say uh, a salary is not ungodly. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. Uh, you know, Laban asked Jacob, he said, what should your wages be? So wages and salary is great. It's it can be part of a godly structure. Yeah. But then somebody on top needs to have faith, like the businessman. He can have five hundred people that work for him and they live by salary checks. But the businessman on top who birthed the business, uh, he needs more than just a business check himself. He needs to have the faith to birth and to plant that business. Um, the the person with a salary check do not really operate in much faith because they already have a guarantee. Yeah. Uh, but the businessman that, that, that pioneered the business, he needs to mix it with faith in order to, 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 to supply salary checks to people that work for him. And I hope the, that makes sense. And there was a season where the salary check was God's plan for you, but then there was a season where he was moving you forward, and that's where you're talking about digging into the faith. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, for instance, in my ministry, I do get a salary check from my ministry. Um, uh, but that is just because it's healthy that a board of directors give you a specific amount that you can live by every month. Sure. But before I can get my salary check, I need to operate in faith to bring that finances into the ministry. Uh, so faith and salary check works together, actually. Uh, but before um, I can get a check, I need to operate in faith so that God will bless the ministry and the ministry will bless me. Absolutely. It reminds me of the, uh, it really reminds me of the story of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They were constrained or they were um, limited to the, the framework of a reality that they saw all around them. And when Jesus said, did I not tell you that um, he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he 
live, and they couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that, oh yeah, he'll live someday in the resurrection, and then when Jesus just came on the scene, and with that prophetic word, I am the resurrection and the life, the whole paradigm shifted from one of sight to faith, and um, I think it's so beautiful, especially um, a much-needed encouragement, especially in this day and age in which we're living. Um, we're in this pandemic, and you mentioned right off the bat, you know, you guys were locked down as well. Um, let me ask you this. Um, what are you sensing um, that the Lord perhaps is telling His church during this COVID-19 pandemic? Well, um, uh, you know, God does not God does not send a virus or, or send a curse. Amen. But, 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 but when you look at the Bible, uh, God also has the gift to use a storm. Yeah. Um, there was a, Jesus was on the sh- on a, in a boat with his disciples. A storm came up, and Jesus rebuked the wind because that that wind was demonic, and Jesus had to rebuke it because the enemy wanted to stop Jesus from arriving to the other side because he would have clean, cleansed uh, or set a captive man free, uh, a demon possessed man free, and he was actually on his way to the cross of Calvary. So the enemy wanted to stop him. Yeah. But then when you look at Jonah. Uh, Jonah was in a storm, uh, and, and Jonah was out of the will of God, ran away from God, and God literally uh, sent a storm to swallow him up. And long story short, uh, he was spit out by that big old fish, and Jonah uh, came back in alignment with God's will to go to Nineveh. And sometimes circumstances will get us where our obedience will not take us because we are not always very obedient. That's good. We are human people, and we normally want to do our own little thing. So uh, there's storms and storms. Um, this this COVID-19 thing is not sent by God, but God is using it because God, God's Word also says He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Yeah. And unfortunately, as human beings, our first tendency is not to be obedient. Uh, even in the Christian walk, you need to check yourself every day. Am I really walking in 100% obedience to the voice of God? Wow. And what I what I sense now is all of a sudden prayer has been restored as the number one item in the church. Amen. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, even ministers uh, that I am in touch with and even overseas is changing the emphasis of they've emphasized a lot of things before the epidemic came, and now all of a sudden they emphasize things that is closer to the heart of God. Um, you know, it's 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 like a it's like a, a dartboard. You can get your dart on the board, but you need to hit the little red dot in the middle, <laughs> and that is the center of the gospel. That's Jesus. And sometimes uh, we must be careful that we don't preach uh, a good gospel, but we never mention the name of Jesus. So. Uh, the church is changing the emphasis. They, they're emphasizing more and more the right things that needs to be emphasized. And uh, unfortunately, uh, sometimes it takes a storm like this current one to bring us back to get our focus where it needs to be. Yeah, I um, I believe uh, I we were with you on a uh, a prayer call. Just uh, was that Thursday night? And um, you made a statement that has just been um, like a like a sliver in my mind, and I just have not been able to ignore it. And that word was, 
You know, it is not the hunger that God is after right now. It's at, he's after the desperate um, cry. He's, asper, he's after the desperation. And when people cry out in desperation, it's a lot deeper than just a, a hunger. Yeah, I can I can say something else about that because sure. that's something God told me uh, th- three days ago. You know, hunger. The world does not hunger after God, not at all. They have no hunger after God. Absolutely, it's only Christians that hunger after God. Yeah. So hunger will bring you and me closer to the Lord, but hunger will not bring the world back because the world is not hungry. That's good. But desperateness, desperateness. When God is starting to shake our our securities, our foundations, our, you know, uh, the, the earth is, is a broken place. Uh, an earthquake can come tomorrow and all of a sudden I lose my home. Mm. What, what does that make me? That makes me desperate. Yeah. Then I'm desperate. So, so desperateness will bring a whole nation back while hunger will just bring Christians closer to God. If if, if that is an explanation, but that's just the way I see it. That is so good. So hunger isn't bad. The church needs to be in a hungry place for God, drawing closer to him. So when the church is in a hungry place and the world is in a desperate place, those are some key ingredients to awakening and revival. Revival. Would you agree? Yeah. um, You know, um, I am not somebody that preaches doom and gloom because (laughs) Jesus is good. He's a great God. He's kind. He's gentle. He's, He's gracious. And, and, and I can say he's loving, he's loving, uh, he's a God of love. In fact, he is love. Um, but in 2009, when, when the Lord said to me, go tell the church they need to come back to the upper room and put the emphasis back on, on prayer, um, one of the things that I did not share aggressively with the church is that God, when I said to the Lord, how will I bring people back to pray? And the Lord said, son, there is other ways that I can use to bring the earth back and the, the globe back. Because, you, you know, the human race is created in the, in the image of God, Genesis one twenty six, And God is a jealous God. This is yeah. not an unhealthy jealousy. This is a healthy jealousy. Um, and, 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 you know, it's like I protect my children, but I will sometimes discipline my child in order to protect my child. Amen. And, and, and we cannot go without God's discipline. And the Lord said to me, there is ways that I can bring them back. Um, in 1994, we had all the ingredients in South Africa for a civil war. Uh, we're going to go from a white government to a black government, which was the right thing that needs to happen. Uh, but because of the fear, all of a sudden, uh, that, that the infrastructures was in danger, uh, the future was in danger, we can have a civil war, all of a sudden, the house that I live in doesn't count anymore. You can have a very expensive car, but they can burn it down tomorrow. And because of the desperateness in South Africa, all of a sudden the churches were flooded with people Mm. and a great revival broke out because desperateness finally got the attention of the people. And I think we are in such a day at the very moment. Amen. 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 So you're in contact with leaders from across the globe. So what are you hearing of what God is doing and um, in and through his church across the globe. Like what, give us your global perspective of what God is doing. Yeah, there is, um, you know, um, major, major ministries have come to a standstill 
because nobody can move. But all of a sudden, the whole church is, it's almost like the church is, is this rediscovering one another, and it's almost like the church is more underground, and you will now notice that the church is very much on social media. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how how you cannot stop the church, but but in the process of losing certain uh, things, we have discovered certain strengths within us. And one of the things that's happening is prayer. All of a sudden, the prayer altar has become the main altar again. And it's happening all over the world. I have been part of uh, prayer movements and uh, discussions on Zoom and so forth with Israel and Arab countries and um, even nations all over the world where uh, there were more than 100,000 people on the line. Uh, The globe realized finally that unless we go back to our knees, we cannot save this world. So globally, there is there's probably a greater stirring going on now globally uh, in the midst of the pandemic than what there was before the pandemic. Yeah. So can you yeah. speak prophetically for a moment? Um, it seems like this we're in a bubble, like a time of transition uh, between what was and what is going to be. We know what was. We don't have a clear picture of what the church is going to be, but can you speak to the posture the church should be taking now to prepare themselves for what God's about to do when we're able to come out on the other side of this? What is he showing you? Uh, I think the saddest thing that will happen is that if the virus comes to a a, a complete standstill, say three months from now or six months from now, the virus comes to a complete standstill. The saddest thing that can happen then is that we all go back to business as usual, yeah. especially the church, especially the church. Uh, we're going to go back to our three-point sermons and our feel-good sermons. We will miss the Lord completely because uh, what you discover in your season of desperateness, you should hold on in your season of peace. Otherwise, God needs to bring us back again to rediscover what we just discovered. Uh, I personally feel we have crossed, uh, the, we have stepped over over the threshold uh, in the whole globe regarding the church, where the church is going, what the future will hold. Uh, God is using this thing to prepare the church for the greatest awakening the world has ever seen. Um, this was prophesied by others. Last year, we were in New York and we did... Uh, television recordings at places where some great awakening started in New York. Uh, this year, we cannot go back there. And now we have all these recordings ready for television, a two-hour documentary, plus other recordings. And it's so significant that the same city that is now in total lockdown, that is the epic epidemic, that is the, uh, the center almost of this pandemic in, in America, uh, was the city that we visited last year to do all these recordings. So God is preparing us for something phenomenal because when when New York is under siege, everybody gets the attention. Yeah. If it was a little town that had the virus somewhere in the middle of nowhere, nobody will talk about it. Um, even when it was in Wuhan, China, uh, we, it did not get our attention. But now that it hit New York, all of a sudden we realize What's going on? So um, God knows how to get our attention. 
even if he needs to use the plan of the enemy. I always say this. Uh, 2,000 years ago, the enemy crucified Jesus. They crucified Jesus. And they, that was the biggest mistake they've ever made. Because yeah. out, of that, out of that mess, God rose up on the third day and he rescued humanity. Amen. And this could be a prophetic manifestation or a prophetic parallel of what happened 2,000 years ago. When the enemy planned to take the human race down, like for now, God can stir a great awakening when people will literally cry out out of their desperateness and millions can come back to the Lord within a short period of time that we could not have done within the church with our normal uh, schedule or the normal way of doing things the way we've done it until the pandemic starts. I love that uh, you talk about um, the church's focus uh, not to go back to the way it was and to hold on to that desperate cry. You, you guys remember after 9-11, the churches were flooded. The churches were yeah. flooded with the, um, the desperate. We don't know what to do, and so we're looking to God for the answer. And yeah. short, shortly after that, uh, they went back into peace, and it was just back to business as usual. Um, if there's anything that I've been seeing in God's Word recently, it's the, uh, in the book of Judges, you start to see that God's people, they, they start to slip into this, um, this uh, laissez-faire, this... Uh, this cycle of laziness, almost this cycle of peace that they just get used to, and it's just they go they grow comfortable, and so then they go right back to business as usual. God allows these uh, things or these things begin to come in to uh, shake them and to wake them, and they cry out to God, and then that's just this crazy cycle that just continues to happen. Yeah, once they get comfortable. And so I think that God is using these, working through these things to, uh, to get our attention and to get the focus off of, look, uh, you guys have uh, put these things above God, and uh, we really want, God really wants our focus. He wants our hearts. He wants our, our hunger, but he wants the desperation of a world that needs to know that Jesus came to die for them. Such a beautiful parallel that you just painted there. Um, yeah, you know, like the, the, the Lord the Lord told me in December 2009, he said, I can send an earthquake if I really want to. I said, Lord, but that's not how you operate. But the Lord said to me, son, I can. Yeah. Um, well, he did not send an earthquake, but now he's using this thing. So it's so sad that the human race slip into a mediocrity so easily when things get comfortable. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so I think we're on the threshold of something so phenomenal because finally the attention of man is coming back to God. Amen. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say <laughs> is the posture of the church right now should be one of constant prayer. Do the you... prayer altar, the prayer, you know, let me say this. Uh, prayer is uh, is a love conversation. Um, people think prayer is work or prayer is boring. Uh, when I'm in love with my wife, Naomi, it's not, I cannot wait that she wake up so that we can communicate. Communication with her is there's never too much communication because we are in a love relationship. Uh, and if we really love God, why don't we love to talk to him? Yeah. Uh, uh, prayer is not work. 
if prayer is dead works, you will watch the clock all the time when you talk to God. But when prayer is a love relationship, a love language, you will not watch the clock because love, uh, a minute is, is uh, one hour feels like a minute. Yeah. I'm married 44 years with Naomi, and it feels like I'm just married for you. Uh, why? Because there's love involved. Yeah. Same with Same with prayer. Well, there are people that are intimidated by it. And one thing that I hear a lot is, I don't know what to pray. So could you practically speak if, you know, the posture of the church is to be prayer right now? Maybe give a couple practical points on what people can focus in and pray for specifically? Well, you know, um, we, we uh, let, let me say this, when God sent Elijah to Sheriff and then to the, to the widow, God said to him immediately, I have provided for you there where you sh- what you shall eat and drink. So unfortunately, the prayers of people, it's all about eat and drink. Mm-hmm. What shall I eat and drink? Uh, God, God, God will cover your eat and drink. But if, if you want to start with eat and drink, pray it. Uh, but th- there's so much more you can pray about. But don't pray out of fear. Because yes. if you pray out of fear, you will probably not even remember what you've prayed. You just, you just blew hot air uh, because you, you pray from fear. First, get into peace and just pray simple things. God, don't, don't, don't change your, 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 the tone of your, lang- uh, of your voice. Uh, don't become religious. Talk to God uh, within your own uh, zone of how you feel comfortable. I always say to people that when God speaks to me prophetically and when I prophesy to people, he shows me simple, ordinary pictures and uh, things that is uh, familiar to me in my world where I live. Uh, God speaks within the framework of my own understanding. He doesn't speak on, on a level seven and I live on a level one. God yeah. comes down to our level and speaks to us very simple. Yeah. And, and, and if you want to pray, keep it simple. Uh, if you say, well, Lord, pray for my children, pray for your children. Lord, we need food on the table, pray for food. But don't camp on food for 30 minutes. Because yeah. God is, uh, don't camp on protection for 30 minutes. Mention it, but start to pray. And then if you can, pray in the Spirit, of course, and that's another topic for another day. Mm. Then you really start to pray the heartbeat of Jesus. Yeah, Amen. It's such a uh, it's such a fresh breath of air to hear uh, talk about um, our 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 the body turning our focus back to prayer. This is uh, a much needed area. I was reminded of this passage in Luke chapter one verse fourteen when they were still they were all waiting they were anticipating the coming of the Messiah. And uh, in verse 10, the Bible says, and the whole multitude of the people were devoted to prayer outside of the um, outside of the temple. It's important to know, I think, that even in this time, even when we don't we can't see what's coming next, um, we may not have a clear picture. We all have a, a mandate to pray and to be actively praying while we're waiting while we're waiting for the coming of the Messiah, while we're waiting for the second coming, as we believe, Jesus is coming again soon, and so we devote ourselves to prayer. Yeah, something that's important is when you pray, uh, always build in a season uh, or a time slot for complete silence. 
Because when you pray, say for instance, I pray for 30 minutes, maybe I should have a 30 minutes of silence so that I can hear the voice that comes back at me. Amen. Uh, That's good. Don't pray and rumble all your, your, your needs and rush out of the door. Yeah. Uh, God is not a, a pharmacy for, for emergency. Uh, sometimes we, we use him as an emergency God. He's almost like an ambulance. We only use him when we need him. Wow, that's good. <laughs> um, and um, when you say, for instance, you say, well, I don't have an hour. Well, take 10 minutes, pray 10 minutes, but then use 10 minutes of silence afterwards. Put on very, very uh, uh, good music in the background and just wait for the voice to come back at you. Yeah. And you will be amazed how simple God will speak to you. God will speak so simple that within the moment he say it, you will understand it. But don't give him your grocery list of needs <laughs> and rush out of the door. <laughs> and when God comes back to answer you, you already left the room. Oh, that's good. It's such a, uh, it's such a good admonishment. It, there's a lot of uh, things to know about um, prayer that many people don't know of one of the things that they need to realize again, and you emphasized it so good today that it is a conversation. It's a conversation. And when we, um, when we give him time to speak back to us, I think it honors him. It blesses him. It glorifies him. And it shows him that we're expecting in faith to hear what the, what the spirit of God would speak to us, especially in this time of need. Um, Pastor, I can't believe that we're out of time. That went so fast. Um, we would love to have you back uh, in the future to hear more about your story. But uh, just want to ask you a couple th- uh, things. Um, how can our friends connect with you? Is there a website? Uh, are you on Facebook? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and um, uh, uh, 5,000 friends. But there's also a private page on Facebook. And the ministry is there, Good News to the Nations, and also the Upper Room Movement which is a little bit separate, they can also go to my website, and that is uh, www.gnni.org, goodnewsnationsinternational.org, or Facebook is probably the best. I will do live ministry again, I think Monday or Tuesday this coming week, and probably go on the air at least once a week or maybe twice a week. Awesome. So we'll stay tuned to those. Mm-hmm. And then um, we're called Better Together. So who makes your life better because they're in it? Why don't you give them a shout out? Well, who makes them better? Absolutely my wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm the one with a big mouth. She's the <laughs> silent one, but she is the rudder of the ship. Uh, she's got such a strong faith, especially when we moved here. She's just phenomenal. My daughter, Amore. My right hand and my left hand, uh, my eyes and my ears. She works for this ministry for 20 years. I cannot do this without her. No, oh, that's beautiful. Well, we are better together. Uh, so today, make it a point, those who are listening, make it a point this week to connect with someone, send someone a text, give them a phone call, grab a cup of coffee and get on a FaceTime with someone over line. Uh, you can also come and hang out with us uh, on our Brotherhood on Monday nights. It's at 8 p.m., Ladies Sisterhood at 7 p.m. And our 6 p.m. corporate prayer, you'll see the uh, link also on there as well. 
We want to encourage you to uh, connect in church, especially uh, during this time when the importance of being on ch- uh, being with our body is limited to our online church. If you don't have a church, find a healthy Bible-believing church in your area. Check it out. If you're in the Warren, Boardman, Vienna, Liberty, Newcastle, New Wilmington, Columbiana, or Coitsville areas, we invite you to come and hang out with us online here at Victory. You can check out our website at vcconechurch.com to find out all of our location. Thank you so much for listening today, and we'll see you back here next week. And don't forget, we We are are better better together. together.